0: Hi Shannon, how are you today?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you today?
0: I'm good, I'm good. I'm very excited for today's podcast. Just talking all about reviewing contracts because it doesn't get any sexier, does it?
1: Oh, exactly. <laughs> what more could you want from a podcast? <laughs>
0: absolutely, absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll be we'll be quite helpful to you guys and won't absolutely bore you to tears. That's the aim.
1: <laughs> that is the aim, exactly. So, will I just talk a bit about what we're going to be talking about today? A bit of background before we get into it?
0: Yeah, go for it, go for it.
1: Cool, sounds good. So as Bab said, today we're talking about the very exciting reviewing and reading your contracts. So that could be kind of the contracts that you've written or um, a contract that you've been asked to sign, say from like a supplier or maybe even like a client, like you're working with someone yourself. Contracts are legally binding. I'm sure you know this. So you want to know either what your client or someone is signing or what you're signing up to because basically you don't want to be screwed over by signing something that you don't even know what's in it. So that's what we're talking about today. It's very fun stuff.
0: Super exciting, super exciting. So um, we say all the time, guys, that we take loads of listener questions so shannon here her good self has been collating them um, and i think also pulling together some kind of common questions that we get we do a lot of um, free legal advice calls which by the way if you want to take advantage of one of those just get in contact with us um, and we'll be more than happy to get you on one um, but i think she's been kind of pulling all those together for us so we can chat them through today so shannon the floor is
1: yours here we go. How exciting. Yeah, so I've been kind of looking at social media, getting some questions from you guys and just looking for like really common questions and Facebook groups and stuff. So without further ado, here we go. Mm-hmm. So number one, starting off, you know, at the very beginning, why is it important to read and understand a contract that's been put in front of you to sign?
0: Oh, do you know how many people don't read their contracts? Can we just actually start by saying that? <laughs> blows my mind and you want to know something like from experience and not my experience but experience of business owners like you who are a bit longer in the tooth have a bit more experience they shell out for legal services now I'm not here to try and pinch your money I'm trying to explain to you why they shell out for legal services the reason is because they have been burned before a lot of our clients are kind of like males in their forties and fifties who spent twenty years ago creating companies and have now learned that it's so important to get every contract reviewed because they have been burned in the past by just signing things and sending off and they're grand. Um, so to be honest, like it's it's learn from them. It's it's daft not to. But what is the real answer? Why is it actually important? Well, the real reason is that you've no idea what you're signing over in terms of IP rights, copyright, things you might own, etc. You've no idea if you're signing up to a restrictive covenant. So like a non-compete. I actually had a client recently who who had been like running his own business for five years and signed up to a non-compete that didn't allow him to sell this product that he sells to anyone else except this client. Um, And, he basically lost his whole business because otherwise he would have been in breach of this contract, and the client wouldn't let him out of it um Those are just some howlers, but there's other things as well, like massive penalty fees um if you don't pay something on time um can you be very easily in breach of a contract so if you just you know if you're off sick one day and you miss a deadline by a day, have you all of a sudden breached a contract and you have all these financial obligations now? This is really important and it's a case of either getting a solicitor to review it or understanding yourself what you're looking for and reviewing on that basis.
1: Okay, so kind of moving on from what you've just said there about having a solicitor review your contract, um, what does that kind of entail? Like, how do you go about that in the first place? You know, I think contract views is a thing that a lot of people actually need, but they don't know how to do it and yeah. how the process works. So you can you kind of give a bit of an overview of that for us?
0: Yeah, so... First of all find a solicitor that you're really comfortable with. Um I would always say that as an industry we get a very bad name um, we're we're tarnished by the acts of some who are not so honorable and don't necessarily have the same kind of morals and ethics as others. Um and what that means is that people are a bit scared to go to solicitors. They don't really know what they're asking for. They feel stupid. Um, you know they can be spoken down to a lot and they can be bamboozled by the fact that they've been quoted 300 quid for something and get a bill for two grand because they just don't understand how solicitors get away with it and to be perfectly frank I don't really understand either um, so make sure that you're going to a solicitor who is friendly is approachable understands what your business is about understands what your concerns are So you don't want to pay a solicitor to rip apart a contract if your contract is with Sony and you're never going to be able to negotiate all these points. You might want to know the two or three key points that you can't live with and you have to go back on but that's what you need to explain to your solicitor. You also want to make sure that your solicitor understands that you want to operate on a fixed fee basis and you should always want to operate on a fixed fee basis make sure they commit to a price and they don't go over and above that unless they've told you that they have to for whatever reason and so find somebody you're comfortable with reach out to them and say to them listen I've been asked to sign this contract would you mind having a review of it these are the things I'm worried about can you give me a fixed fee? And can you give me a timeline? Because that's another thing as well. Things fall into this black hole of legal. I've heard this for years. So you want to make sure that you have a
1: handle on that. That makes a lot of sense. I think another important thing to say is kind of like the tone of the contract is like we spoke about this in the last episode, you know, you might write a contract and it's maybe if, not that this is a bad thing, I'm not saying this is a horrible thing to do, but you might have kind of copied the contract from someone else. Does that fit the tone of your business? Probably not. You want to make sure that it covers everything that your business does and not someone else's because otherwise, what's the point? It's one thing having a contract, it's another one having a good contract.
0: Absolutely. So there's kind of two points there. There's reviewing a contract that comes across from a third party, a supplier, an agency, something like that. And then there's getting a contract reviewed that you've drawn up, which I'd always suggest if you're going to do a contract yourself or if you're going to pinch it. Make sure a solicitor reviews it so that it's appropriate for your business. But it's the same thing. It's the same concept. Like tell them what you're after. If tone and not terrifying your clients is the biggie, then make sure that's clear. And the same applies, get a fixed turnaround time and a fixed fee.
1: That makes sense. Perfect. So you kind of covered this, um, but it's quite a biggie. What would be the biggest horror story if you do sign up to a contract that you really don't understand or that you just didn't read? That is a biggie. The two,
0: the two biggie biggies are kind of the ones that I've already touched on. It was the client who basically had to give up his business because he signed up to a non-compete. So basically he could no longer sell that product to somebody else another biggie is people who have spent all these years months whatever time energy money creating something and all of a sudden because of something they've signed the IP in that is actually owned by their client or the supplier or whoever it is that you're contracting with um I actually work for a client who got a lot of like time and money and resource into developing something with an academic institution didn't realize that the academic institution owned the full thing um and it was a big problem because they were selling it they were using it commercially but actually they had no right to do so um so this is why it's important to get a solicitor involved early on i realize that fees can can be an issue but that's why it's important that you engage on a fixed fee basis
1: it's risky business isn't it so you want to kind of make sure things are being done properly because otherwise you could like Babs was saying you could send your whole business over to someone else or your whole IP or there's so many things that can go wrong and that's really not what you want
0: no 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 there's loads I could literally (laughs) give you loads of examples but those are the those are like the life-shattering ones
1: yeah we can go on for hours, couldn't we, but yeah. Let's talk about the main ones. Okay, cool. Perfect. Um, well, this kind of moves on to the, the same kind of thing. What are the biggest red flags to look out for in a contract? Now that could be like a, where we're talking about the contracts that you're writing. You don't want to give someone a contract that's full of red flags, because then they're gonna be like, Well, I'm just not gonna work with you or a kind of contract that you've got to sign yourself. What would be the biggest red flags to completely avoid? Um So if it's from your
0: perspective, so if you're writing a contract that you want your client or a supplier to sign up to, try and be fair, like let's not be a dick about this. Like, because if you are, there's gonna be a lot of back and forth, you're gonna spend a lot on legal fees. If you want to be like, I am liable for nothing and you are liable for everything, it's just gonna break down relationships and it's gonna make your life difficult. So that's generally what I would say is like be very fair with liability wording. Don't take on liability that you shouldn't, but also don't put tons on the client um, because that's not, in my opinion, it's just not good business and you know what guys, it's not cool. Um, <laughs> but if we're looking at a contract from the perspective of somebody's given you a contract or T's and C's to look at or something like that, what are the red flags? Delivery dates, right? If somebody's delivering something to you, are they bound to meet certain delivery dates? And if they are, does it say something like, time is not of the essence or we'll use reasonable endeavours to meet these delivery dates if you've got a big project launching and you need something done by the first of september and they've said they'll kind of just do their best for the first of september and they don't do it until the 10th and it causes you all these issues including financial issues reputational letting down clients etc there's no comeback there you can't even complain well you could try but you're not going to get very far that that's really really important so delivery dates is a big one um invoicing and interest and penalties for not paying invoices on time you should be really clear what your invoicing um time period is so once an invoice comes over how long do you have to pay it and what happens if something like you know what if you're sick what if you're sick for a week and you've not paid an invoice within seven days and that is the period do they just cut off all your services or do you have time to rectify it Obviously, what you would want in that case is for somebody to drop you a message and say, listen, mate, you've not paid your invoice. Can you just pay it? Rather than, right, we're pulling the plug on all your software (laughs) or everything like that could cause you a major issue. Um, So that's something to bear in mind as well. And then IP, as I mentioned, not signing up to restrictive covenants, no non-competes, nothing like that. Um if you're working with a supplier and you're giving across confidential information make sure that information is kept confidential and um, make sure they can't use it to go and trade with other customers and give away your trade secrets these are some biggies as well
1: cool that makes a lot of sense kind of going back on what you just said there just to take things back to the very basics and um, what is a non-compete and like why should you kind of be looking out for that in your contracts
0: so a non-compete is essentially a restriction on your behavior, right? Which is why I say it's like, it's one of the life-altering ones if you sign up to. Um, it basically means that you can't pinch clients, you can't pinch suppliers, or it could be even more extensive and say that you can't operate a business that is similar to the business that you're currently in a legal relationship with. So whether you're the client or the supplier, A non compete would, for for instance, right. If I signed up to a non compete with a client, it would basically say that I couldn't provide legal services to other clients in that industry. So if I signed a non compete with a, I don't know, fitness coach, and it said that I couldn't provide legal services to other fitness coaches, that seriously restricts my business if I want to really work with fitness coaches. Um, you can see them in other ways. You can see them like maybe you can't work with fitness coaches in London. Or you can't work with fitness coaches all across the world. Um, like these can cause serious, serious issues. And this is the, the horror story that I was telling you about. This is kind of similar to what the client signed up to. It basically said that they couldn't provide specific types of services all across the world. And that's what they were already providing. So it, it kind of works retroactively as well. Current client relationships that they already had had to get ended, which was just terrible. It was just awful. Um, So that's something to bear in mind. Now, I hear a lot of time from people, oh, well, non-competes or they go by restrictive covenants as well. Restrictive covenants aren't enforceable. That's not true. Um, They have to be reasonable. They typically can't last for any more than two years after your contract has ended. And they shouldn't really be as geographically wide as the whole world unless the company operates in the whole world Um, but they are enforceable people think they're not enforceable because they have to be very reasonable in employment contracts um, because obviously there's a bit of a power imbalance there but with business contracts consultant contracts, client contracts things like that as long as they're less than two years and they're reasonable they're going to be upheld and you're going to have to deal with the consequences of it so pretty much you can't fight it
1: if it came to that
0: I mean you could try but you're gonna have to pay 10 grand just to bring the court action so like we don't get into big that bucks. situation
1: yeah you're you going the big bucks guys no <laughs> interrupting each other that's me and Babs do this all the time guys so if it happens in the podcast it's just just how we are as people
0: <laughs> do you know what it's just life you're just gonna have to get on board with this because Shannon and I cannot finish a full sentence without talking over the other
1: We just have a thought and we're like, oh, I have to say it right now. So that's pretty much how this podcast is going (laughs) to be.
0: I'm done. Um, I'm done. I'm done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. So we can actually talk. Okay, cool. That is very interesting. So another one that actually I see all the time. What is an indemnity? And is that one that people should be avoiding in kind of contracts? I am
0: so glad you brought this up um, because I love to bitch about indemnities because I have no life and this is all I talk about in my life. But also because on one of our first episodes we were talking about setting up I was talking about professional indemnity insurance and I was talking about how this isn't really the same as an indemnity in a contract. So if you listen to that episode and I said I'll talk about this later I forgot until Shannon mentioned it. So we're here now let's talk about indemnities. Okay so there's kind of two ways you can be sued under an agreement right under a contract. By the way people come and say to me I don't need a contract I just need an agreement. Same thing right interchangeable. But anyway, <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox. Um, there's two ways you can be see, sued under a contract. The first one is basically, it's called breach of warranty. So it's something that you've confirmed in an agreement and, and you've not done it. So you, you, that you'll pay on time, that you'll deliver a service on time. If a legal action is brought against you for that, the person has to prove that you did the thing wrong and then they have to prove that you caused them harm cause of it and then that's what the damages is. So that's what your order to pay is to basically rectify that harm in monetary terms right? An indemnity is different. An indemnity is it, well, for the easy way to explain it is it makes it easier to sue you. Okay? So an indemnity, the person has to prove you did the thing like a breach of warranty but they don't have to prove that you caused them any harm at all. So you could have not delivered on time now, we'd hope none of this would happen, right? But you could have not delivered on time, caused no harm to the client whatsoever, you'd still be sued, right? So that's why we never want to indemnify for anything, if we can get away with it. Um, but we want to restrict it to the really high risk situation. So if you're working with me as a client, I'll probably say to you, it's okay to indemnify to say that you won't steal somebody else's intellectual property, or it's okay to indemnify to say that you won't breach confidentiality. People want indemnities about the big, big things, the things that they're really worried about. What I don't like is when you see in an agreement, someone says um, you'll indemnify against provision of the services or basically any breach of any clause of the agreement, that makes your whole contract an indemnity, which means that damage doesn't need to be proved for anything. You can just be sued for... Turn up five minutes later than you said you would. So that's really onerous if that's in a contract. Never ever
1: sign up to it. That's a huge one. You don't want to be in the shit basically because you didn't read a contract, it had an indemnity in it and then you're screwed. Yeah, That's what this is all about. That's what reviewing contracts is all about. Keeping an eye out and keep Take some of these no- words down, guys, like non-compete, indemnity. If you're reviewing your own contracts, then these are the kind of big things you want to be looking out for. Like I was saying, you don't be in the shit because you missed that little word. Because it's not exactly, like, stand out. It's going to stand out to you. But if you know to look for these things, then you're fine. You're sorted.
0: I think you said, Shannon, in an earlier episode that everybody should have, like, a legal leverage list. Add this to the list.
1: Yeah. Create a legal leverage list in your phone or have a notepad or behind me I've got literally post-it notes all over my wall <laughs> so if you're like me do that and just take notes down because honestly this this stuff is going to come in so handy like you're gonna you down the line have a contract and you're like oh my god Baz and Shannon spoke about that and I forgot what it was so write it down now <laughs> be like Shannon guys be a post-it geek be a post-it geek exactly and do you know what it's a lovely wall decor as well if you fancy it <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a geek for sure we're both geeks so it's fine that's what we're here for <laughs> cool so this is another question we have um do I have to have kind of every contract reviewed you know that's gonna cost a lot so do I have to have every contract viewed do does a solicitor have to do it for me do I have to have someone else even like a friend a third party do I have to have someone else read it for me basically
0: I would say it depends how high risk your business model is. Um like i have clients who provide bespoke software solutions to massive companies yes every contract should be reviewed because it's worth such a lot of money um and because that other big customer of yours is going to have a full legal team and a compliance team, and all of these people who go through the contract with a fine tooth comb. You do not want to be left as little Billy No Mates on a conference call trying to deal with it by yourself. So that, yes, that kind of contract always, always, always get it reviewed. Um, if you're being given like a website developers T's and C's, and then a marketing agency's T's and C's, and then a social media person's T's and C's, and it's all these like kind of service providers. Do you need a review every single time? No. What I would say is maybe get one or two reviewed or pay for an hour with a solicitor and ask them what they look for. What key things you should be looking out for, what you need to understand in a contract. Or you could also have a solicitor on on retainer, which basically means that you can ask the questions and you can say, listen, I'm fine with the contract but can you check clause 11.4 because it looks weird? Like that kind of thing. If you've got a little bit more money and some people like to just say, I have a lawyer on retainer, um, then do that. Um, but It depends on the risk of the
1: contract, I'd say. So it's kind of like a read the room, use your common sense situation. Like if it's kind of a massive contract, then obviously you want to have someone else look over it. But if it's small, should be fine, hopefully. But read the room, figure it out. <laughs> read the room. Read the room, exactly. Cool, okay. Next question. Um, This is actually a really big one. If I don't like the sound of something that's in a contract that I've got to sign, so someone's giving me it, can I kind of negotiate with them? Can I ask them to change it? Obviously, there's some things that you probably can't, but how does that work if there's something that I'm so unsure about?
0: Always, always, always try and change something you're not sure about. Even if this is your favourite client ever, you just pitch it as... I mean, that's what your solicitor is there for, by the way, to blame. So you just say, oh, my, my solicitor told me I had to ask for this. Um, and just blame that. Even even if you've not gone to a solicitor, just blame them. Um, that's what we're here for as a profession. And we do it very well. Um, but yeah, I, was, I talk so much rubbish sometimes. Um, but <laughs> what, what I would generally say, guys, is um, it's really, really, really important to kind of make sure that Your voice is heard in the contract negotiations. I'm not saying piss off the client or piss off the supplier but it's important that you're reflecting what the risks are for you and that you're understanding if you're able to tolerate them. Now, I do not think that it's in anybody's interest to go absolutely to town on marking up a contract and pull everything out because it is going to cause a relationship issue. You know, essentially when when you're bringing people together, it's because they want to have some sort of business relationship. They want to do something together and that behaviour just doesn't really make sense for the for the business relationship. Um, having said that, yes, you should question things that you're not sure about, and you absolutely should ask for them to be changed. Will you always get them changed? No, and it will depend on the business. If you are working with like a Nike, then you know they might just tell you to bugger off. But I've I've dealt with many big customers. Um, who have actually negotiated very well and have understood where I was coming from on certain points. So that's something I would bear in mind is that just because they're a big company doesn't mean that they won't negotiate. Um, I would just pick your points wisely, not bombard them
1: and really focus on the things that are important to you. That's a really important one because we're kind of all about, you know, I've said earlier on, we're not just here to take your money and like us. In general, anyway, maybe not all law firms are like that. But um it's about having the confidence to kind of deal with some of the legal stuff on your own. Like you don't want to have to go to a solicitor all of the time. Um so understanding kind of what you're signing up to, negotiating if you need to, obviously reasonably. But yeah, having the confidence to, confidence to kind of do it yourself and move forward from there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's a biggie. Okay, I've got um everyone's favourite topic coming up um so i'm talking about contract reviews um does the do things like brexit affect it like is that the kind of times that we should be reviewing our own contracts told you it was everyone's favorite con- uh, topic brexit had to make its way into the podcast somehow of oh, course i'm so sick of brexit <laughs> i'm not sure i'm
0: not the only one my god poor traders out there trying to get goods across the border probably hate it way more than me um so sorry the question reviewing contracts in light of brexit
1: so in light of like Brexit, or just like law changes, like is that the kind of times uh, when we should yeah. be thinking of reviewing contracts, our own contracts, obviously not someone else's,
0: yeah, I get what you mean now, um yes, you should be reviewing your contracts to make sure they're brexit compliant um the big one is g d p r um the u k has been deemed adequate by the European Commission, which basically means that all your obligations under g d p r and everything still apply. But your contracts probably need updated. They probably say things like, you can't transfer data outside the EU. They probably reference the EU version of GDPR. There's now a UK GDPR and it's now that you can't transfer data outside the EU or the UK. Now, is that worth redoing all your contracts for? No. But if you're reviewing your contract anyway, if there's some sort of trigger that you should be looking at this stuff, then I I would... make sure that's part of it there'll be other things to think about as well gdpr is the big one but there will be other things as well so things like there might be references to eu law throughout the document that just don't make sense anymore um if you're importing and exporting goods you might want to make it clear like who's dealing with customs charges and duties and import VAT and
1: all of that kind of stuff that makes sense cool had to um inject that in there somewhere didn't i um <laughs> Well, I think we're pretty much getting there. I think just to kind of summarise, we've kind of talked about it, but what would be your top tips for contract reviewing?
0: Understand what you're reviewing. Speak to a solicitor if you're at all confused and make sure that what is on the page is what you believe you've agreed to. If you're signing a contract with a supplier, make sure that what's been sold to you is actually what is down there on the page. What you don't want is, you know, you've agreed to a two grand fee and it says... Two grand fee, but we reserve the right to charge extra if you go outside of scope. How do you know if you go outside of scope? Is anybody going to tell you? Or are you just going to get a bill for five grand? So it's really important that you check out these things. You make sure what's on paper is the bargain you've actually made. um, And you make sure that you're not overly exposing yourself to things like liability,
1: transferring IP, signing up to non-competes, etc some great tips there to add to your list guys cool I think that's us done I just was going to ask you that last episode is there anything else you think that we should cover in terms of reviewing contracts reviewing documents anything kind of legal related there Um, I would just
0: say that it's probably worth going out to a professional the first few times understand what's in there and then if you've not got the legal budget to keep doing it that's totally cool but just make sure that you understand the kind of key things that they're picking out and I'd also just make sure that any legal advisor that you do engage understands what your objectives are. If your objectives are to rip the contract apart, great, tell them that. That's grand. They'll probably charge you more for it, but they'll do it. Um, if your objective is to just get this over the line and you just want to make sure there are no, kind of quote this because I get it all the time, no howlers in there, um, make that clear as well. Make, make it very obvious to yourself and your legal advisor if you use one what you're trying to get out of this.
1: Perfect understood cool well I think that's us done for today.
0: Fantastic
1: what are you doing tonight Shannon? Do you know what I'm just having a nice chill one tonight chilling out not doing anything watching tv because that's just what I fancy doing what are you up to tonight Babs? (laughs) (laughs) Well I
0: think I've got a bunch of emails and then I might train and then do you know I went out for dinner last night and I think I might go out again tonight but I don't know. Why not
1: do it? (laughs) Treat yourself, that's that's what it's all about.
0: <laughs> treat yourself, treat yourself. Um, okay, Fab, well enjoy, enjoy your chilled night um, and
1: yeah, let's catch up soon. Let's catch up soon. Guys, if you have any questions you want to pop in to ask for our next episode then give us an email at legalleveragelaw at gmail.com and we will answer those for you. Speak soon, bye. Speak soon, bye.
0: If you'd like to hear more about the Legal Leverage Framework and access some free resources including free guides and trainings pop over to our website which is jamesonlaw.legal and click on free resources we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast tune into our next episode to learn more about how to grow and scale your business the right way